Cold Stove Podcast, live from Austin, Texas, presented by Washed Media. NRD, it is 96 here today. Oh, in I'm jealous. Austin, Texas. Don't be, because it's humid and the allergies are out for uh, for revenge, if you I, will. I recant my jealousy. Yeah, it, it is an absolute nightmare outside. But uh, happy to be in the cold stove, if you will, with you, NRD. How are you? Could be better, man. I was uh, I was just telling you in the pre-show, I think uh, the golf game's struggling right now. Had the first round of the year yesterday. Oh boy. Uh, we might need a uh, golf ball sponsor if I played like I did yesterday for this <clears> podcast. Uh, losing, you are, you're spraying them all over the yard. Dire straits already. We're one weekend. We're in mid-season form. <laughs> well, it's... It's a little hot, you know. I'm, I'm, I max out like 90 degrees. If it's above 90, no way am I going to play. And we've already hit that on April 5th in Austin. Luckily, it's going to go back down. But oh man, it, it is the summers down here that get me. That's let's let's get to the rink though, where it's much colder. NRD. Uh, last night, excuse me, a couple, I guess a couple nights ago, the Buffalo Sabers ended their point streak at the hands of the Florida Panthers. So R.I.P. the good vibes in Buffalo. And uh, again, apologies, Sabres fans, NRD. Uh, you watched the uh, the NCAA championship game last night? I did. I was also a financial investor in the NCAA championship game last night. Ah, uh, what is what would that mean? That would mean uh, that mean taking Kansas in the third quarter when they were still losing at plus money because you know. Everybody that listens to the show and follows me on Twitter, you know, last week I was big into the Buffalo Sabres down a million goals. Uh, that's kind of becoming my thing, right? NRD bets has evolved from really shitty handicapping to now just taking teams when they're down by a lot and hoping they come back. <laughs> I said that. I was like, I, you're, you say that a lot now. And I, I just wonder about the times where you're betting on people that are just getting absolutely smoked and it, it continues to be absolutely smoked. Maybe uh, uh, unless you bet on the Devils the other weekend when they or the other night when they had the lead, and uh, were so rudely interrupted. If I don't Florida mention campus. it, it doesn't happen, or at least that's right. how I think that it goes. So nice. if I haven't mentioned any losses on this show, then I haven't lost. There you go. Uh, breaking news this morning. We'll keep it off the ice for now. Tiger Woods is playing the Masters, but breaking news on the ice, not to be overshadowed by the big cat himself. Ryan Getzlaff retiring after this season. Uh, after I believe it's 17 years in the league, and my goodness, what a guy to aspire to! Uh, NRD, your thoughts on Ryan Getzlaff, the player, and what he's meant for the league over the last couple uh, couple of years? Absolute monster of a player, true power forward in the truest sense, leader on and off the ice. Stanley Cup champion, what in 2007 when they got past? I think it was Ottawa, right? Was that <clears throat> Ottawa Stanley Cup Finals 2007? Uh, yes, that time, um, no, yeah, there was there was the Anaheim was Ducks against was it not the uh, the Daniel Alfredson, Danny Heatley, Ottawa Senators? I could be wrong. It was the Anaheim Ducks and the Ottawa Senators. NRD, right, well see. done. The MVP was Scott Niedermeyer. There you go. But on that team, wasn't the leader yet. He was still coming into his own in this league, but has continued to ascend to be. You know, one of the greats of the Anaheim Ducks organization. You think of Paul Correa, you think of, you know, Scott Niedermeyer, you think of Team Mussolini, you think of Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry as well. So kudos to him on a yep. great career. I think he will be missed as these guys are still a little young in that locker room. I think it never hurts to have his presence around that organization. Hopefully yeah, they what fill a, that role. A, a fascinating team moving forward. If, if I'm Anaheim 
and you know it granted i think getzlev makes his home at least part of the year in anaheim i'm doing whatever i can to have him around that team in some capacity moving forward no absolutely you have whether to. it's player development play you know whatever the build a role for a guy like ryan getzlev build a role for a guy like Corey perry shoot just have those guys around the team that can act as veterans even though they're not playing minutes every night. That's my that's my uh, recipe to save the Anaheim Ducks. No, you're fine. I uh, listen. Sorry, my uh, my dog's barking. We could probably cut this totally. <laughs> no, we're keeping we're game. keeping it in. We're keeping it in. We're keeping it in. All right, we're letting it go. Um, totally threw me off my game there, but yeah. No, I think that you have those veterans around in the organization. I think it's a really cool thing that they brought Paul Correa back to retire his number in the past couple of seasons. I think that there has always been a uh, mystique around the Anaheim Ducks that they don't necessarily like having their retired guys hang around um, and maybe necessarily treated the best after they're long gone from the organization. Samuel family or Samuel E family, the ownership there in, uh, in Anaheim is doing the right thing by Korea and Timu. And I hopefully they continue to do the good, the right thing and the good thing by Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry when he eventually hangs them up. Yep. I'm excited to see one where Anaheim goes. I think they have some, some, a lot of moves they can make. They have, certainly have a lot of ammo on the roster. Um, and then uh, a generation sort of hanging them up. You know, John Gibbs is going to be looking a lot around that locker room next year. Like, man, where, where are, uh, where are the boys? But NRD, next up on the list, we have a really, really good interview with Liam McHugh uh, of NHL on TNT fame. You know, he's kind of, he's been the glue that holds that panel together. He's sort of the Ernie Johnson, what uh, what Ernie Johnson is to inside the NBA. Liam McHugh has been to NHL on TNT, pretty much because it's the same position more or less. But uh, your thoughts on on NHL on TNT thus far in year one? of the NHL deal. I think they're doing a fantastic job. I think, you know, I'm sure we'll talk to him about the comparisons between them and the NHL or the NBA on TNT rather. But <clears throat> I think that what, what's so unique, what they're doing is just the characters between himself, you know, Anson Carter, Rick Tockett, Paul Bissonnette, Wayne Gretzky, Keith Jones was on last Sunday. So you see some of the familiar names that we've known on hockey media or in hockey media over the past decade at NBC, but you also see some fresh faces there. And Biz, who never really had the big TV role, obviously, Spitting Chicklets, has got a little niche cult following podcast <laughs> in this space. But they're just crushing. I think they're doing something that hasn't been done before in the sport, and that's highlighting the personalities of both you know former players and coaches on the panel and also players in the game with their interviews and whatnot that they do during intermission. And yeah. I... I you know, might be impartial because he's a guest on this show and for other reasons, but I, uh, I think they're absolutely killing it. And I think they are my number one when comparative with the, uh, with the worldwide leader. In there terms you of go. Right holders. I would tend to agree with you, but, uh, but first this interview with Liam McHugh is brought to you by hello fresh NRD last night. I have the text to prove it. I made the best meal of my life. What meal was it, Brett? Thanks in part, not actually not in part, thanks completely to HelloFresh. It was Italian chicken sandwiches, okay, with potato wedges on the side. I air fried the frick out of the potato wedges. They were unbelievable. And it was, it, it basically was a loaf of garlic bread with Italian chicken, onions, and peppers. Uh, with with mozzarella topping it, 
on a, a, a garlic bread sandwich. And it was no joke, the best tasting meal I have ever made in my life. And that is all thanks to HelloFresh. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. So they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or farmer's market. And that's the thing. You are you are legitimately making your meals. Like, get out the cutting board, get out the knives, get out the bowls because you're mixing and matching and you're cutting stuff up because that's what HelloFresh is doing is making you better in the kitchen. Their chefs really know how to diversify the menu. They have seasonal rep- recipes like salmon limon and pasta primavera and plenty, plenty more. Like I said, Italian chicken pepper sandwiches. I mean, you can't go wrong. Pick your favorites from 50 different weekly options and skip weeks when you need to. Uh, in case you need to change your delivery date, you're traveling, you want to skip it a week uh, to save some cash for the week, or update your preferences in the HelloFresh app. They have fit and wholesome recipes too for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes for week to choose from uh, per week to choose from there, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. I'm just going to go out on a limb. The one I had last night was not on that list. I, I was going to say, between the cheese and the garlic bread, some peppers and fries. It doesn't seem like it's a keto-friendly oh, thing, but... God, it was so good, though. That, have I you, mean, uh, I've have tried you so, any HelloFresh? I have. I I think we had the same couple meals these past few nights. I okay. also had the Italian chicken sandwiches. Those were good. How good? <laughs> they were fantastic. I'm going to one-up you, because I know okay. it was, it's one of their Hall of Fame recipes. I was a big fan of the spicy beef capitavi pasta. Oh, that was also very good. Very, very, very good. Very good. And and Cavatappi slept on. I tweeted that as much when I was literally making that dish. It's one of the underrated of the pastas. <laughs> Go to HelloFresh.com slash Stove16 and use code Stove16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, HelloFresh.com slash Stove16. And use code STOVE16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. And now, Liam McHugh. Cold Stove Podcast, we are live with NHL on TNT's own Liam McHugh. Liam, how are you? The voice of uh, of my childhood, more or less. Oh, that's frightening. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I thought I only had to subject my own children to being the voice of their childhoods uh, uh i'm great man thanks for having me on this is awesome absolutely nrd i got you here as well how are you nrd holding it down we're happy first guest in cold stove history that's a big big round of applause for liam McHugh. i know can't hear your round of applause if you're listening through apple podcast but hope you're giving it one because he's the first guest we have on this show so we're happy to have him here this yep. is uh it's a lot of pressure guys. a lot of pressure well, a lot I of guess- pressure so I uh, we've we've had Pete Blackburn on before, so he might be the first technical guest as a fill-in host for NRD at, at some point. But I, I know equally, uh, you, Liam has stepped up the the appearance game for sure from Pete Blackburn. Well, that, he's my I mean that's my son, right? And he's now, your internet. And now, yeah, and now the dad is on. So that's, yeah, yeah, all in the family. Cool. Yeah, Liam, very exciting. You have done. Um, I, you know, I was, I, I've been doing research, and I was like, oh my god, he's been at it for uh, a minute here. And the last decade or so, you have been doing as much as anybody out there to expand the sport off the ice. And I want to commend you for that, whether it's at uh, Versus or, or NBCSN or NBC and then now Turner. Uh, it, as you reflect upon the last decade or so and sort of this next generation, you know, like Ryan Getzlav just announced he's retired from the NHL. And that's one of those guys that like, oh, my God, I remember Getzlav 
when I was eight or nine. What what stands out to you is like if you were to take a step back at the end of your first year at Turner, what sort of stands out over the last the, a year and decade? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the sports changed a lot. Uh, and to me, it's changed a lot off the ice, which uh, and I think it's for the most part, it, it's really for the better. Uh, you know, guys are a lot more outspoken. Uh, a lot more willing to engage on social media, a lot more willing to uh, show their personality. Uh, I mean, you know, that really wasn't that long ago. I remember pieces being run where like, you know, reporters would go into locker rooms and just tried to get the hockey player to say I or me and like couldn't do it, could not do it. It was uh, impossible. And I know that's sort of ingrained in hockey culture. And I'm not saying like it's become a selfish sport because it hasn't. But I think people are just far more willing to come out of their shells show their personality. And I think that's one of the cool things we've got going at Turner where uh, that's what we want. We, when we interview someone, uh, you know, like if I have to hear get pucks deep, like that's it. We'll just, you know, that's the interview's <laughs> over. Like that, that's the end of it. That's one of those. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you around. Uh, so these guys have personalities. They just haven't been showing them. We have that now. I love that. People are speaking out about different issues. Uh, obviously the last couple of years uh, speaking out about racial issues, speaking out about, the way players are treated, uh, the way things go down in terms of management, in terms of coaching, uh, behind the scenes. A lot of that for years, for decades, people didn't talk about that. So if you think about the acceleration really over the last five to seven years, uh, it, it's been pretty incredible. And on the ice, I would say, you know, I think the biggest thing is you mentioned a guy that gets left and there's still room, obviously room for a guy that talented, that much of a leader and that big, but he was sort of the prototype for a long time, right? You wanted that mm -hmm. size. And if you couldn't get it, maybe you'd hit like, all right, six foot, six, one, 200. That's where I'm, I'm that's my, my breaking point, unless the guy's lightning fast. And then we'll give him a shot. We'll see if they make it. Now that's just not the case. Uh, I've done the draft for several years and it's so cool to see guys who are below 5'10 uh, and they don't have to make it as a free agent. Just the idea is, hey, you scored at this level, it translates now. It yeah. really does. You can play. You can score, you can skate, you're going to get your shot here, and you don't have to grind it out for several years and hope that someone notices you. Right. It's that it's that hockey sense argument that, it, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, it was how physical can you be? How fast are you? How much how, how much do you overpower the opponent? And hockey's changed so much now where you see a guy like Cole Caulfield or you see a guy, uh, you see Casey Middlestad even in his draft year and who I'm still high on. I, I really hope the best for him with, with Buffalo. But the, the skill is so incredible in the league now. It's a perfect segue to what we've seen the last couple of days with our friends over in Anaheim uh, and just the, the ugly, ugly broadcast moments um, when, when they have the Coyotes guys talking about that stuff, skilling it up, right? And, and it's such a marketable opportunity for the league to say, look at what these kids can do. And so I'm, I'm sure you guys will touch on it tomorrow on NHL on TNT, but any previews for what you will dig into tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I, I think and I hope that, like, it's the type of thing where, you know, the broadcast, they, they look back at it and they say, like, all right, you know, and I know they've spoken out a little bit since then, but, you know, like, word choice wasn't the best. And then I, I understand that hometown announcers want to protect their guys, want to protect their franchise. But um, I, I think one of the interesting things is we attribute some of the words that are said on the broadcast to the team as a whole as if this is what the players were thinking in that moment. And, and I don't think people should ever make that leap. Uh, we don't know. It's certainly not in real time. Um, you, you can't say that they were embarrassed because someone was skilling it up. You don't know that like personally. Um, I think the game, the whole thing was a little bit chippy. It got 
to me, I understand the idea of like, hey, it's late in a five nothing game. Guy digs for a puck. You didn't like it. You give him a little cross check in the back, scrum, and then we settle things. But not this to me was there was a line. The line was crossed. Troy Terry doesn't get the gloves off. It's too much. We're, it just is. That's not this league. I, I am not anti-fighting. I, I'm just, I'm not. I, hell, I love boxing. Like, you know, <laughs> it's a sport where literally all you do is fight. You know, UFC is an actual sport where all you do is fight in a cage. I mean, I like willing combatants, though. I, I really do. Uh, to me, that's, that's different. Uh, you know, hell, every Nick Deloria tilt feels like uh, Gotti Ward because, you know, Deloria is not going out there and picking someone up and pummeling him who he knows mm-hmm. doesn't want any piece of Nick Deloria. Um, although I don't know why anyone would want any piece. Sure. Of but sure. Uh, I, I don't know. So I think there's still a place for it in the game. And I think another thing, I mean, really what you've seen in the last 10, 15 years is uh, if you are a guy who can throw down, you got to be able to play. Um, which yep. is why a guy like Tom Wilson is invaluable. You know, oh, if he can Even... strike fear into your heart, but also score 20, 25 goals. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a rare gem in today's game. So we're going to dig into it definitely because we do have the Ducks uh, coming up and we're going to talk to Zegers. So I'm curious to hear what he has to say after a couple of days. Now, really quick, you mentioned how talk, you know, the game has evolved, but do you feel that with Turner, the panel that you guys have between yourself Biz, Wayno, Ace, and Talk. Do you think there's a nice balance to talk about subjects like that? Because you have guys that have been both the all-star of the team and also kind of that guy that has been in that role to fight and throw around the fist every once in a while when the team's needed. Do you feel like what you guys you guys have a special thing going when you talk about situations like that? Because you kind of capture it from all angles. Yeah, it's it's a really good balance because I mean, you know, anyone who didn't get to watch Rick Tockett play, I mean, Google him and you're gonna see some goals, sure, but you're gonna see fights like you've never seen. Like they don't fight like that anymore, where two guys just standing toe to toe and throwing haymakers. Um, but he's also a guy who coached the modern game. Yeah. And he understands like I need guys on the ice who can play, and I need guys who aren't gonna take dumb penalties uh, or just lose their mind in critical uh, spaces that are going to cost us a game. So that's fantastic. I think from Gretzky's point of view, he's sitting there telling you, I mean, I, I thought Keith Jones nailed it the other day too, yeah, where yeah. we saw the Zegras goal. And if you show it and you back it up, you don't just see the lacrosse ending. Like, first of all, the skill just to get to the puck and the way he played it uh, was sensational. Then it's just the idea that Jonesy nailed it. He said he doesn't score there unless he does the lacrosse goal. He's like, that goal doesn't happen. It's not like it was an empty net, and he it wasn't hot dogging it. It was, yeah. it it was the play. To it, yeah, to shove it in your face. So I think, uh, and I think Anson's perfect too, where he played in a tough time, but he also really, really does understand the modern game. They these guys respect responses, uh, and they want teams to respond because they also know that they've been on teams where if it didn't happen, they were looking down the bench at guys wondering. Hey, why didn't you have my back? Why didn't you respond? Why didn't you do something? But I think they also understand there's a line. Like, right. And there has to be a line. You have to respect that. And with that, you you put it perfectly. It's it's with a guy like Nick Delorier being traded from Anaheim. He was that guy who who made a Trevor Zegras two inches taller or uh, a Sonny Milano a couple miles an hour faster. Because when you have guys like that that can allow your teams to play to their full skill level and, and they're in scrums, they know somebody's going to come in and, and help them out and have their back, I do think there's there's plenty of room for that in the game. Those guys that, that your team is better because they're on the ice. Uh, and your team at TNT is better when you are hosting. 
how about that host little segue right wow, there. That's, a, um, that's some skill <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to ask you about you know the expanded role at tnt when you came in and you got the the lead analyst gig or the lead host gig excuse me how cool was it to have sort of a blank slate knowing that you have this incredibly successful show with nba on tnt and, and like how much with a clean slate versus taking what they do so well and being the ernie johnson of the crew what did you learn and what were you excited about coming in? Uh, I, I think I was, listen, I was excited to start something fresh, mm-hmm. something new. Uh, you know, I had a great run at NBC and I got to do a, a, an amazing amount of different things and uh, from you know, NFL to college football to the Olympics. Um, but it does feel good to start something from the ground up to really create. And what I liked about Turner was that that's what they were looking for. Um, you know, they had, a loose idea of what they wanted, but they wanted input. They wanted uh, the people on the show to really build the show. And that was really the only comparison they gave to what they do with the NBA, which is, you know, they knew, they know the NBA show is, you know, it's on a pedestal. It's what everyone sort of shoots for in a studio show. But they also know that if it was simple, if it was as simple as saying, well, let's do that, let's replicate it. That's literally what every studio show would do. They're like, just mm-hmm. go out there and, and copy it. But you can't. It's a, it's, it's a chemistry lesson. Um, and I think the cool thing for me was they, they talked to people who knew me, uh, talked to people who knew me behind the scenes. Uh, and obviously, they saw my work. And they said, we want the work, but we want the person that we hear about off there. Um, and we want some creativity. We want the humor. Um, we, we want you... The conversations you have with the guys off air, those are the conversations, well, at least some of them, some <laughs> of those conversations, let's have them on the air. And if it interests you, just go with it was the biggest thing. And that's a vote of confidence. You know, it, it's a feeling of, hey, all right, you know, I'm not necessarily driving this whole thing off the rails, but if we go off the rails and I like the view a lot better, we're staying there. That's right. just where we're headed. And and to me, the cool thing for me, I could say is every time you get any kind of job interviewed, regardless of whether you're in sports, whether you're in business, uh, there's always this, this idea that like, oh, I can fit into that. I can make myself into what you're looking for. And at Turner, the more conversations I had, it was like, well, I'm not making myself fit into anything. This is just a fit. Um, right. You know, it, and, and I think that's been the beautiful thing. And you mentioned, you know, you mentioned previously what you do. What, what, one of you, the things you like to do is, is keep that looseness. And that's obviously the perfect fit with a group uh, that you're with now. But you mentioned off the rails as well. So what, what is that moment? You know, there's a line for guys, uh, the unwritten rules on the ice. When do you say, all right, Biz, you know, all right, Wayno, all right, Anson, we've been off the rails. We got the Twitter clip that's going to do a million views. How do you get back on the rails? And, and, and what does that feel like when, when it's going so well? It's, uh, I mean, luckily, it's always, the beautiful thing is we have commercials, right? Yeah, you just say, okay, we'll, we'll <laughs> see you back in time. <laughs> so there is that. Uh, but yeah, there there are moments where like like we we're running short on time, um, and I will say like we've now like we've learned each other's cadence, and uh, you know obviously we've had some fun with Biz. Just the fact that like you know Biz is a podcaster, so like there's no five give... second answers for business. No, <laughs> and even if you say like, hey man, I'm going to give you 45 seconds on this, um, which in TV is like. Like an eternity, I can yeah. tell you. That's like something we split up into three people when I hosted Football Night in America. You know, it's like that's it, forty-five mm-hmm. for all of us. Um, and he goes like a minute fifteen, and then you know, I 
a month in, I realized this was happening. So like we threw the shot clock up on him and it's like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's gotta be a way to do this with like levity without cutting people off, but also with, you know, a self-awareness, right. Where like people at home can sense you're getting antsy. Yeah. I, I, I always hate that. Like when you see a host and he's like, ah, uh, like he's like trying, like almost physically trying to grab the show back and mm. get it. Like this is this way we can sort of do it uh, organically, have fun with them. Uh, and we talked to the producers about like, Hey, if you got to start going to break, like go to break, like yeah. throw a, throw a picture up there, do something else. I mean, uh, you know, we were planning before the whole Will Smith went to, thing went down. We had, uh, Oscars music ready for it. You know, we would play that guy right off the, the set at one point, but uh, I like but, the, uh... then I was worried where we'd go after that. So, yeah. uh, but it was, it's, it's been great. And I think part of that is when you have people and you can tell them that they're taking way too long or, or, uh, cut them off. You don't have to apologize. You can do it the way if your friend's talking and they're just going on too long. You're like, all right, that's, you know, that's enough. Like we do, we do have commercials. There are people that pay for the show and this group doesn't get angry. There's no right. ego. Like uh, they embrace the show and you move on. That's you when you say you, you end the story with, and then biz found $5, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. You could put a, you could put Rick Tockett in the penalty box. It's always an option. There's that too. Yeah. Exactly. Put Tockett in the penalty box. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the beautiful thing is to, to sit there and say like, you know, we're just having fun. It's not going to be perfect. No one out here is trying to create a, like the perfect clean show. And that's another thing. Like it's a huge thing in broadcasting to have clean shows and we're not aspiring to have messy shows, mm -hmm. but, uh, fun and memorable and entertaining and interesting and smart are adjectives I want way before I want clean. No um, doubt. And that's, know, I'll, yeah, I, I come from, uh, so I used to work at Barstool. That's where I met biz. And, uh, and so if we had a, a clean, uh, you know, a clean cut show, people would tweet us afterwards and be like, what was that? That was awful. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, you yeah. want that levity. You want, you want a reason for people to, to tune in and, and the in-between moments are as funny or more entertaining than the actual analysis, if you will, in, in quotes. Um, you're coming up on the end of year one with NHL on TNT. What worked, what hasn't, and, and what stuff are you going to work on in the off season and say, what, what, like, what, where does the show build to from here? Or do you not touch it? No, it definitely, it, it keeps building. Um, it, it has to. And uh, I think, you know, we, we found a balance between, we're trying to find the balance and we'll keep, keep trying to find the balance between, uh, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's scripted nonsense, but like, you know, I, I had an idea what I wanted to do when guys were breaking sticks, but I also wanted to be because of something that sparked it, not because like I have a notebook full of ideas and this should be the week we do that. And that's what happened when we had that, you know, like, uh, you know, what was it? A bonus was trying to smash a stick and he failed miserably <laughs> like four times. And, you know, I was sitting there and I'm like, well, I don't know what the situation is. I mean, how hard is this? How hard could it possibly be? Um, so I think, but I also think like, just because you did that and it worked, it doesn't mean that the next week you have to one up it. Uh, totally. So it, it, the cool thing is that opens a floodgate of ideas and people pitch and they come through, but you know, you have to sit there and pick your spots. Uh, I think the interesting thing uh, now is I want really in-depth conversations about important hockey topics and we've gotten into them and, but now they have to be game related and like, you know, in 20 minute spurts because of the playoffs, but they should feel like they're free flowing. 
don't feel rushed. And that's a difficult thing to do because the intermissions are so short. And I look back at the NCAA tournament and last night in the championship game, uh, you know, I thought the halftime discussion that the guys had was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't video heavy. It, it was just, it was a very good free flowing conversation where you heard a lot of voices, a lot of points, but you got something out of it. Um, and I think that's sort of the next phase for us where we can take that. Everyone feels, everyone can feel when the other person's ending. And I also think the next thing is, taking it a step further and we're not an embrace debate panel mm-hmm. but if you strongly disagree with someone i don't want to find out after we got off the air no you, you know, just have the freedom uh, like, to say Go yeah for it. exactly and we know each other we're taking you know our relationships have grown over the year and we you know become friends uh, away from the show and because of that i think that's the next step where if you strongly disagree with someone just voice it right then and there and don't tell us about it after but it it happens once in a while, but yeah, the show's got to grow. And who knows? I mean, listen, I hope this whole group's back. I mean, a few coaching changes in the league. Well, so. I'm <laughs> going to be the coach first in, one. There's one coach in particular we're thinking about that might be somewhere else next year. Spreading, I'm spreading rumors about him on Twitter. I think so. He doesn't get a job. And he has to stay if you him. want me to, uh, if you want me to put the Knicks on Taco in <laughs> yeah, anywhere, I can handle that. Come on, I, I don't want breaking someone new. He's been great. Uh, speaking of Twitter, Liam, one thing that I love about your Twitter game is that you hate every team in the league, apparently, right? Especially the Islanders from which you are from Long Island. Why do you hate every team, Liam? Uh, listen, it's equal hate. <laughs> this is this. I, I do this job purely as uh, this is my personal player haters ball. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I just like, I've gotten out of rooting for teams. And I think that's just like getting, this sucks. I'm, I'm in my mid forties now. Like I'm an old man. I got three kids. I live in the suburbs. I'm boring. Like (laughs) I'm grouchy half the time. And I just, I look at things. I try to look at things very, very realistically. And Twitter is hilarious because people come back and they are such passionate, hardcore fans that reality has gone out the window, you know? And uh, I mean, the interactions I had because with the Islanders fans, uh, who are probably all like my neighbors, like, <laughs> you know, uh, like definitely people I see like soccer practice, with my kids. Uh, and it's so angry because I didn't reference the fact that they had a 1% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, like I didn't say it on the air, which like, I never taught. I thought it would be an insult, frankly, if I said Yeah, like they got 1% it. left. Yeah. Uh, They're still like, you winning, don't know. We, I, listen, maybe they'll make it. And I don't know. Like if they do, great. You can, I don't know. Ride your unicorn there. It's about that realistic <laughs> at this point. But uh, you're a better man than I, because I very open on Twitter. I only hate the Leafs. Apparently, everybody thinks I hate the Leafs, so I I only hate Toronto. I'm cool with every other team. So you equal hate across the board. You're a better man than I for that. Yeah, it's something to aspire to. Really, you're young. You you will get there. You will hate every. Got to hate everybody at some point. Yeah. I am a diehard Sabers fan, and and according to Sabers fans, I I hate them as well. So. <laughs> It's just you you can't you cannot win in this business as I'm sure you're well aware. Um I wanted to, to more hockey real quick is is we've seen a lot of skill in the game, we've seen a lot of guys uh you know the game has changed and one thing that's been a major change over the last couple of years is is overtime. So let me ask you very bluntly, how would you fix overtime, Leo? How would I fix the current overtime? Yes. 3 on 3 overtime? Yes. Oh god, I I think I mean, if it was purely from an entertainment standpoint, uh, I'd tell the coaches to stay in the locker. I love that. Um, Player yeah, coaches. Uh, I mean, because a great three-on-three overtime is as good as it gets in all of sports. It, it, no it's doubt. the most exciting thing in all of sports. 
So to suck the joy and the life out of that is painful. Um, and then, you know, on occasion you get a very good shootout, but I, I don't know. Sure. Uh, I could, I could take them or leave them at any point. I don't think I would say this. My biggest problem is sucking the joy out of three and three overtime, in which case I would say, you know, smash the whiteboards over your knees, keep the coaches in the locker room, let these guys play. And this should be a skills showdown. Uh, in fact, the funny thing is I think goalies embrace that in some ways more than some of the players because goalies are getting the puck out quick. They mm -hmm. understand possession. They don't want face-offs. They just want to keep this thing going. I love that. Uh, the other thing is there has to be something to be done about a penalty taken late in overtime. So that there, there just, is a consequence in uh, overtime. There just has to be. I mean, why wouldn't you take one? Yeah. Why, If you're beat, mm -hmm. that is a guaranteed – like take the man down somehow, some way – what difference does it make? You're going to have to kill it off for 20 seconds, and then that's it. Poof, you win a face-off. Basically, at that point, you win the face-off. Overtime's over. You're going to a shootout. I, I, say, I say turn it into pond hockey. There's no offsides, and uh, you have a shot clock. Just If you want to if you oh, wanna hang like way up, shot. if you want to hang way up, great. If you want to hang way back, fine. No offsides no, or, and a shot clock. Or you do the, uh, the lacrosse rule, right, where you, you go over a line, you cannot come back over that line. Oh, um, God. That's, that's pretty interesting. I think – uh, <laughs> I like I like the shot clock. Yeah, I that's a, that's do. an easy one. And I don't know how to solve the. Uh, I can tell you what. That's the best thing about someone like me. I can tell you what's wrong with it. I don't have the solution, <laughs> uh, so I'll complain about it. Like I'm not sure what the solution is to the penalty thing because I could also see it's like, well, what if people just keep taking penalties and the game goes on for eternity? Uh, yeah, that's that's an issue. Obviously, but well, he's got to shoot first in the shootout. <laughs> uh, first off, I, I I don't know. It's someone like I grew up a, a, a soccer player. I'm dying to see goalies and shoot. Yeah, just yeah. dying. Yeah, that, that's. First and shooter you know has to there's be at least one or two goalies out there. Is like I've been working on it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, a couple more minutes left with Liam here, so I wanted to get some more some more squishy questions out of the way here. You've covered a lot of sports in your day. Uh, the Olympics knocks out like twenty uh, in one weekend, basically. <laughs> yeah. Is there a sport or event that you have not covered that is sort of like I give me a chance at this? I would love to. Obviously, Turner has rights to like uh, MLB Tuesday nights. They have uh, rights to the match, which is a, a golf, you know, for people that are unaware, it's a, it's a golf match between, you know, one, two, three, four guys individually. Is there something that you'd like to sink your teeth into and say, give me a shot? Uh, I, I mean, I think right away I'd, I'd say World Cup. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a chance to do Premier League. Uh, I love I, I love the sport. I'm an ugly American. I'll say soccer. I love soccer. <laughs> uh, beautiful game. The world's game. Yes. Uh, but I'd also say that, like, I mean, not that, like, hey, we're pie in the sky here and we're just, uh, we're making things up. I would say World Cup, but I'd want a World Cup in Europe. There you go. I like that. Yes, the, the, uh, the U.S. or, excuse me, Turner has US, U.S. soccer rights starting in 2023, I believe. So That's I would true. imagine, you know, if connecting the dots here, would you make an appearance on some of those events? <sighs> I think it all comes down to how well this podcast goes. So I'm putting it out here right now. You guys got to go to work. We'll, we'll see if this can happen. But yeah, I, I would say World Cup. And I would say, I don't know. I, I would love to also be, and I did some boxing at NBC. And uh, we occasionally had some good fights. But man, I, I would love, and we don't get them really anymore. Like you, you occasionally get like, uh, you know, uh, a, a big time heavyweight title fight. But like, I want like a back in the day 70s 80s 90s like the two baddest men on the planet yeah. I, I would love 
love to be doing that. Uh, that that's that's cool. The, the energy in buildings like that is amazing. It's one of the most fun sports I've ever seen live. Ringside, and, and we did rough and rowdy shoots. It's, it's amateurs, but when you hear boxing gloves hitting another man's face for the first time, ringside, it is a sound that you cannot you cannot imagine. It, it's just TV doesn't do it justice, unfortunately. But Liam, I have two more questions for you, and then we'll get you out of here. You are a University of Buffalo graduate. Do you have a favorite Buffalo wing spot? And be careful because people will tweet at you if you are incorrect. Oh, I know. Uh, that's a definitely. I have to say uh, Duff's was my, and it wasn't my spot, but I would say Duff's uh, because uh, I played soccer horribly at the University <laughs> of Buffalo for two years. Um, and uh, I went on my recruiting trip there, which was like, two other much better players and myself were on a recruiting trip and they let me tag along <laughs> and they took us to Duff's uh, and it was incredible. And I'm not a hot wings guy, but like I burned the crap out of my mouth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure embarrassed myself. I was, I was young when I went to college, I was 17 when I went in. So on this recruiting trip, I probably had like braces and they were wondering who they were bringing out. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, Duff's is my spot. And listen, I, I love that town. Love I, Buffalo. Yeah, a lot of love for that city. Get on uh, get on Chippewa Street with the whole gang at NHL on TNT. You'll have a good time, I'm sure. Last question, Liam, I have for you. Do you have a, a dinner tab? Speaking of Wayne's, do you have a dinner tab that, whether it's the most expensive or most memorable, between NBC, between Versus, between Turner, um, do you have a dinner tab that is most memorable for either its price tag or it's uh, it, maybe a credit card roulette situation, perhaps watching Biz sort of be the last one to the uh, to the jump with a credit card. Because <laughs> when we used we went on the West Coast wagon tour, and before dinners, before we decided where we would go, Biz would say, "Hey, uh, hey, hey, Brett, is this company card dinner? Company card dinner?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay." And Biz would, "Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got I got a spot that we're going to MTM Sushi. It's going to be unbelievable." So uh, any dinner tab that's memorable <laughs> that sticks out to you over the last decade or so. No, you know, I will have to say this. One of the, the great things about uh, when I was at NBC is uh, they basically paid for things like that. So that was really nice. Uh, yep. But I would also say that if we knew we were going someplace nice or expensive, there was always someone from the group who, like, tried to bring someone from the business side. Like, Ooh, okay. but which is great because you'd watch that conversation. It was like so obvious <laughs> they were doing this. Like, like, you would never be invited. But what are you doing tonight? Um, right. And so uncomfortable and awkward, like, hey, you should definitely come with us because we enjoy your company and the credit card that's in your wallet. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, there were there were a few. And like, I have to say, when I was out with like Milbury and uh, Jonesy, uh, really the whole crew there, Edzo, uh, JR for a while there, uh, you know, it's a big crew of people. And you're talking about like really expensive bottles of wine. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the best stuff on the menu. I mean, these guys, when they go out, they live it up. But I, I will say this cool thing about going out with people that like played in every city is they don't always take you to the most, the fanciest or the most expensive place. They know the, they, the place. They know the dive it. place. They mm -hmm. know the greasy spoon, wherever and every, any city. Oh, yep. And I, I love that. That That's one of the best things about it where you go in, you're like, this is the place. And they're like, you've never had a place like this. Like, check that's it the out. Best. And, yeah. There's, there's an opportunity there to, to round up all these, you know, washed up athletes per se. That's, that's a rude way of putting it, but all these retired mm -hmm. athletes that are, what are the spots that you remember from Boston? What are the spots from Chicago? What are the, what are the spots from San Diego? But that's a story for another day. I'm sure 
catch Liam McHugh tomorrow night, Tampa Bay at Washington, 730 Eastern. Calgary at Anaheim after very much looking forward to that game, 10 Eastern. Uh, and then Sunday, two other good games, Boston at Washington at 1.30, Nashville at Pittsburgh at 4 p.m. Very much looking forward to the uh, the next couple of weeks and the playoffs, which of which you guys will be continuing to cover. Very, very excited for that. He's on Twitter at Liam underscore McHugh if you want to yell at him for his Buffalo wing takes and spots. Liam, thank you so much for being on the Cold Stove podcast. Ah, thank you very much. This was awesome. Appreciate yep. it, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Liam. Luke. Take care. That interview with Liam McHugh was brought to you by Movement. Movement watches are, without a doubt, one of my favorite sponsors. They basically took the look of a $500 watch and brought it down into a price range that is great for guys like you, NRD, and guys like me. I am rocking with this brand new, uh, it's like a gold and black watch. It's got a big old face on it. And it's my first, like, usually I'm a leather, uh, like a leather watch band guy. This one's metal. I'm rolling with the big boys now, NRD. What's uh, what's the style that you're working with? I am the opposite of you. Okay. I'm a big metal band guy. Okay. Just the Metallica. Yeah. Ah, I also like go. the metal bands on the watches. Did not go leather with my movement watch. Did stick with the metal. I'm rocking the Baltic blue. It's nice slate blue, steel blue. Ooh. Big fan of it. I'm a big, you know dark blue guy so you have that hidden light steel kind of color blue on your wrist looks like i mean i look like money wearing it yep despite the fact that the watch looks like money and is not all the money in the world it's extremely affordable shouts to movement fraction of the price and it, it, the other one i have so i have two movement watches no big deal nrd oh. it's a a rose gold like uh metal with a white face and a, and a brown leather band and it's like my wedding watch. I get so many compliments on it. They're like, oh my God, what like what watch is that? It's a movement. It's that easy. They're like, what? Like that was a hundred bucks? Yeah, that was a hundred bucks. Unbelievably nice watches. And the reason they can do it, NRD, for a fraction of the price, is because they're a store that was built online and they own their entire process from start to finish. You get a beautiful watch shipped right to your door for free. And if you don't love it, you can ship it right back. For free, and, and we're spending a lot of time in front of our screens these days, NRD. Oh, yeah. A lot of time in front of our screens, so they've got blue light blocker glasses that don't look like science projects. Can attest to that. We're, we're, they're called the EverScroll blue light filtering glasses, and they are a game changer. It helps with my eye strain at night and poor sleeping patterns. And I love the modern style of the frames because they don't look like a science project. Like I said, they just look like cool glasses. I've, I, you know what? Hand up. I've worn them out before. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't have taken you for a glasses guy. I'm not. No, I was going for a look, though. And you know what? And, it and worked. You crushed it. Right. You crushed it because of the movement. Elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank. Join the movement and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT.com slash stove. Again, MVMT.com slash stove. NRD, we just wrapped up with Liam McHugh. Uh, I mentioned, like, kind of weirdly, the voice that, you know, beyond like a Jim Nance or a, a Tony Romo, like a voice that I have been shoot as familiar with anybody with for my whole upbringing in hockey, especially the last decade, because he's weird. You know, he's the first voice you hear on a broadcast, and he's the last voice you hear before you go to sleep on a broadcast. What do you remember most about Liam McHugh growing up, and, and what do you think of of the interview? 
I mean, he's been around for a while, despite being, you know, young and as fresh as ever, as he seemed in our interview. But he started with Versus well, way before the yeah. NHL was on NBC. Versus, then to NHL and NBC, now with Turner Sports. He's <clears> one of those guys, and I added, you know, teasing this episode, I've always told people, you know, when, when certain people found out we were having Liam on, he is the voice of hockey in the United States. The host of hockey, I'd rather. Yeah. You know, you could probably say Doc Emmerich is the voice right, of hockey. Right, there's play-by-play, which is, I, I sort of put in a separate category than the separate Ernie Johnson's category. and Liam McHugh's of the world. But Liam McHugh is the host of hockey in the United States. He's the only vo- host that I recognize. And uh, I think he absolutely crushed it. It was such a treat to talk to him, man. No doubt. No doubt. I think he made it. You know, it's fun when... They're not so shackled by the network television people, perhaps, like an NBC, and they can go to cable like a TNT and Turner, and they really allow them to be opinionated. And you can you can be on social. You can say that was bullshit or that you can call people out. And I think, you know, like you said, we're we're seeing that more with hockey players. We're seeing that with more with broadcasters too. Mm-hmm. Getting involved in social, like standing up for causes they believe in or or explaining things in their own words and it's not so robotic you know tv has become much 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 less robotic and you can thank guys like liam McHugh for for that you know kind of switch over but really cool interview uh we'll have more guests on i think that's kind of a fun format for us and and promise you guys going forward we'll have uh we'll have some more fun people on uh, keep an eye out i should say yeah for multiple Uh, things couple of requests to have the other TNT hint, Tage Nathaniel Thompson. I can't promise that that's going to come <laughs> through. But uh, Buffalo fans, we might have a treat for you coming up soon as well. That is absolutely correct. Speaking of Buffalo, NRD, the goalie next year will not be Devin Levi. He returns to Northeastern as reported on by our pals over at Northeastern Hockey Blog. Okay? I was around this one. I had heard basically from two guys at Northeastern that he was coming back. I had heard from one guy who may or may not have a certain Terry Pagula slash Kim Pagula sign his paychecks that he was going to sign with Buffalo. So I kind of had to sit on my hands. Now this is done. I kind of teased it a little bit last week. Like we would hear about the decision very soon. I kind of expected Friday, Saturday. It turned out it was yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's fine. But basically, Kevin Adams gave Levi the pitch and offered him a contract right there. Said, here we go. Here it is. It's up to you. So the Sabres put the ball in Devin Levi's court. Devin Levi said, I'm going to go back for another year. Uh, from all accounts that it, it, Levi is happy with the Sabres, it's not, it's not vindictive. It's not like a, I want to be elsewhere move. It's straight up, I want to be big man on campus. And... Somebody, Lance Lasowski, retweeted a good thread. He works for the Buffalo News. He retweeted a thread. I, I, the name escapes me, but he basically said, Levi's done this a few times in his career, where instead of going to play junior A hockey in you know the queue or wherever, he's stayed at a level where he dominates for an extra year. He's stayed at a level when he played in the BCHL where he dominates for an extra year. Now he's doing that again with college hockey. So yeah. from my point of view as a as a fan and like a you know what I'd call a fairly long-term view fan, you know I'm not worried about the results day to day especially this season. I don't mind the move whatsoever. Granted they can get Portillo or Portillo when he's over uh in Michigan. They play this weekend. So well, yeah, that's if the they don't get 
either of the two goalies this spring, then I'm concerned, especially with Eric Portillo because he has an interesting contract situation where if he doesn't sign now, I believe, and Cap Friendly's off on this, Elliot Friedman says one thing, I believe they only have one more year of his rights, and then he's a free agent because he was a Swedish player. There's something with the, with the coming over and playing college hockey that affects his contract. So I need to dig in more on that. But if they only have his rights for one more year, they better have a plan laid out to him because if you have UPL, Devin Levi, potentially a Craig Anderson, and, and potentially some guy they, they bring in who they desperately need, obviously, what what's Portillo going to say? Yeah, I want to be here and be the Rochester goalie for the next five years. Like, absolutely not. Right. And now, to be clear, and I, I, from what I know and from what you've told me, because you've been very plugged in on this, the Sabers are not in a situation right now where it's they have two lovers and they're both leaving them at the alt. This isn't the bachelor of goaltender situation here. Correct. Where there's multiples. Levi's happy at the organization. So is Portillo. It's just coming down to when these guys are going to sign. If they don't end up with either. You know, you're probably not going to want to hear Brett on this podcast because it's not going to be yeah. too fun. And you know what, though? Like, I'm, I'm almost priming myself for that possibility because I, like, I'm leaning Portillo, Portillo back to Michigan 60-40 at this point based on what I've heard. Uh, we would not be surprised at all if he signs. It, it, you know, the pitch will come from Tav- Kevin Adams after Portillo is bounced for Michigan. He's got more important things to worry about right now. They say go focus on the NCAA championship. Uh, this weekend in Boston. That's all we care about. We'll worry about the the semantics afterwards. Now, I guess I was 60-40 before the Levi news officially dropped. So maybe that changes Eric Portillo's uh, outlook on it. If he can be the guy in Rochester for a year, like the guy. He doesn't have to split the net with another equally touted prospect. Right. He's going to come in and I... I have a year head start to kind yeah. of stake my claim to this. Exactly. And either he's the goalie of the future and plays unbelievably, or they have a good problem in that there's multiple talented young goaltenders. And I'm even putting UPL in that, in that mix that can be assets to be either dealt, uh, kept safe, kept, you know, they can go one, a one B like I get it. Uh, because of, as we've seen, like in Dallas, for example, you can go from four goalies to two very, very quickly. Granted, a little bit different situation, but you know the drill. So Devin Levi is going back to Northeastern. I don't think they have a. I don't think they have, they have a, a national championship winning team next year. But with a guy like that, they were the I think they were the third, like the third youngest team in NCAA hockey this year. And they get Aiden McDonough back, and they get Devin Levi back. Now they lose Harris, Jordan Harris, who's in the uh, Canadians organization, probably Jaden Struble as well. Um, but they're going to be a good team again. And I think Levi wants to win an NCAA tournament championship, or excuse me, an NCAA tournament game, which is something they haven't done in a long, long time, despite being in the tournament the last few years. I'm sure he wants to win a uh, Hockey East championship, which they I'm did sure not do this sure he wants to win year. the Mike Richter trophy for the Mike Richter and the Hobie, Break, the Hobie, or Hobie Baker, which he was weirdly and... Uh, snubbed. Yeah. And that's no slight to Dryden McKay, who's a hell of a goaltender, but, you know... The fact that there's a goaltender in the final three and it wasn't Devin, Devin Levi is absurd. Absolutely. Absurd. And I'm not just saying that, you know, because Brett's going to hurt me if I don't. <laughs> I'm saying that at a genuine, you know, thought here, he's snubbed. 
No, no slight to Dread McKay, but Levi was slighted. Slighted, snubbed, however you want to say it. Devin Levi's a smart guy. I, I really don't mind the decision. I was initially a little, like, I kind of went into this, this season being like, okay, we got Levi coming out. He's playing unbelievable. We got Portillo coming out. He's going to be unbelievable. I'm okay with one of the two going back to school. I really don't want to see both go back to school because then next year we're having the same conversation and Eric Portillo's got free agency coming up if the plan is not for him to be a, a main piece in this Buffalo Sabres. You know, I, I hesitate to even call it a rebuild anymore. Now it's just like the the ascent. Yeah. yeah. And just... um, people are going to start talking about it based on the end, how, they, how they're ending the season. They're going to be like the sneaky, ooh, I bet the watch out for the Sabres. Watch out for the Sabres. If they made one, you know, big move and yep. Owen Power comes in and plays unbelievable his last couple of games, they're going to be the uh, the sneaky, attractive, good vibes pick for next year, which I don't think they need that pressure yet. I don't think they're ready for that pressure yet. Just just be happy if they are, though. I know. You, you know, deep know, down, I... you know that there's one part of you deep down inside that's going to be ecstatic. That of the course, Buffalo Sabres are the young hot team pick for next. I season. just don't want them to be the New Jersey Devils, and they're the the young hot team that's going to take a huge step and then regress, and their coach needs to be fired. But they could be the Los Angeles Kings or the Anaheim Ducks, and they could be the Kings. They could be the Kings. You know, I I really after they stayed put at the trade deadline, which I still don't agree with, but you know what? Like who at this point, it it's over. It's it's done with. They need to be active in the offseason. They need to be absolutely need to be and one of their draft pitches is the vegas golden knights draft pick in the first round which currently hovers between i don't know 16 and 32 maybe 15 14 and 32 because don't let the vegas golden knights get hot nrd but they've won five games in a row which i feel like we jinx that on this podcast when we talked about them potentially missing the playoffs. Yeah, we talked we weeks. talked about the Vegas dumpster fire, then they rip off five in a row. Dallas, on the other hand, has had a, a good stretch. They're they're seven and three in their last ten, but they lost recently. They still have three games at hand. Elliot likes to say the math is in their favor. It is. But if Vegas gets in the playoffs, do you want to play them if you're Colorado? Do you want to play them if you're Edmonton? Yeah. Why? Uh, I'd say no chance. If you're Edmonton, get those guys no, you back. Don't, I don't think you want to play anybody with that if you're Edmonton. They're, they're licking their chops. They're going to get exposed in the playoffs with their goaltending situation. Yeah. I think if you're Colorado, you got to be confident enough that you could play anybody in this league. Oh, I, I, I think they are. You know, I think they are. And I don't think you care. If you're Colorado, I don't think you care who you're playing. If I Colorado think, doesn't so. make the Stanley Cup, are they? A, is it a disappointing season for them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's another notch on the record of Jared Bednar not being the coach that has gotten them over that hump. And I yep. think we talked about that, you know, on the early iterations of this podcast back in October, we talked about <clears throat> one coach that, you know, could be, you know, on the outside looking in for that role next season. I had said Bednar, clearly not at this point because they're firing on all cylinders. But the reason why I had mentioned Bednar is because for the past four or five years now, they've been firing on all cylinders only to come up short in the playoffs after the second round. So, I think anything short of the Stanley Cup Finals appearance is an absolute bust for the season for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, totally. Totally. The Avs, uh, they just signed Curtis McDermott, by the way, to a two-year extension, just under a million dollars, uh, AAV. 
We talked about it with Liam McHugh. He's one of those guys that that allows uh, a Kale McCarr maybe to play a little taller. No? Yeah. Faster, taller. He's a guy that puts fear into the opponents when he's out there. You know, maybe, like, I, I totally hear you on fear. He makes the opponents check the number before they do anything. Right? Yeah. Like, he is the guy, and, and they have a guy like Kadri, too, who... You know, hopefully he's around all playoffs. He's had his history says otherwise, but between a Kadri and a McDermott, like they have guys that you don't you don't slash McCarr across the back in a scrum, or you don't uh, Start you know to punch you, him. Right, exactly. I I still Colorado's goaltending doesn't thrill me, but I think it's better than we all expected it to be at it's this point in the season. A very better, better team to mask, you know. So their goaltending is a little bit better, and the team's a little bit better. They can mask, you know, on both ends. Very, very intrigued to watch the last 13, 14 games play out with uh, with Dallas, with Vegas, um, because there are going to be some big games. There are going to be some very big playoff-deciding games, and I think Dallas needs it now because their window is... Clo- yeah, right. You know, the Tyler Sagan... Joe Pavelski stars. It's like, well, hang on a second. Uh, and then the Vegas Golden Knights want to get to the playoffs because then, you know, knock on wood, they get some players back, if you will. Uh, and that LTIR is taken advantage of. A team Certainly that, be more interesting than the Eastern Conference, which well, that's like wrapped up. Or is it, NRD? Isles fans, let me toss you a little cookie here. Since the Islanders, The Islanders are 11 points out. Behind the Capitals with uh, 14 games to go and a game in hand on the Capitals. Taps have lost their last two. The Islanders have won their last four. NRD, could this get interesting or is this wishful thinking by our friends over at Belmont Park? Wishful thinking. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, that team has been through the ringer. This year has ran the gauntlet between, you know, starting a month on the road because of the new barn opening up, between COVID decimating that team for a week and even longer with some guys that, you know, they did have to play while they had some guys missing in addition to the time that they missed, you know, the game's being canceled. Team's been through the ringer. Wasn't their year. You know, we we joke on this podcast about how the Islanders are only going to continue to get older and, and you know, it, it doesn't breed for the most success in years to come when you have a team that's progressively getting older. But there's next year. I just can't. The Washington Capitals are a good team. They're a veteran team. They have a leader in Alex Ovechkin. They have leaders in that locker room and Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson who have won Stanley Cups, who have been there before. I can't imagine that locker room locker room allowing that team to skid to the point where this is really a conversation about the New York Islanders catching them. I just don't see it from that Washington Capitals locker room. I could be wrong, though. I hope I hope that next week we're talking about a situation where the Islanders are five points out. And then it gets interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll eat crow if that's the case. But right now, I can't see the guys in that Washington locker room allowing that to happen. They're I, veterans. They've been I, there before. I see your point. I just think, like, don't, don't let the Islanders get hot because that, that locker room and that town, if they get some momentum, they have guys that can galvanize. 
the press changes, the media changes, the vibe changes, the home barn changes. If they get a little momentum and they rip off three or four more and Washington goes, you know, two and two or one and three. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's it's a sure thing. But Islanders fans. Here's a cookie. So there you go. Islanders fans, you listen to the interview with Liam. There's the 1% <laughs> that he didn't mention on air on Sunday. We're telling you there is a 1% chance that they're going to make the playoffs. A team that has no chance of making the playoffs but is making waves of their own is the Philadelphia Flyers NRD. They are choosing, and I'm going to be careful how I put this, they, as in the coaching long-term decisions or the GM or somebody, is choosing to end Keith Yandel's Ironman streak 11 games short of 1,000 consecutive played games. Now, one, do you care? Does 1,000 mean the same as 989 in your mind because he already has the record? And two, do you think that streets should be kept just for the sake of being kept? I.e., what happened in Florida last year when he wasn't going to play and basically the players said, no, 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 he is versus this year where he kind of accepted it as organizations, long-term vision does not have me in it. Let's see if these guys can play. It's a double barreled question. You ask, and that's okay. That's a good thing. Cause it is a double, double barreled. Yeah. There you, there you go. Load it up. I care. And I think to Keith Yandel and others, 1,000 to 989 makes a big difference. That being said, I don't think streaks could be should be kept just for the sake of keeping streaks. Now, this interesting situation in Philly, Connaughton and Sealer, guys like that, who are getting into the lineup over Keith Yandel, are they really the future of the organization either? I don't know. I, I don't know either. And, you know, Philly guys and the gals will have a better answer, you know, to that than I. But... That rubbed me the wrong way, is the yep. guys who are getting into the lineup over Keith Yandel. Once again, streaks shouldn't be kept for the sake of making everybody happy. This is a business. And and the long-term outlook of your organization is always first and foremost over any you know individual. That's the sport. But, you know, you talked about in Florida how the vocal leaders there were, were very vocal in getting Keith Yandel to stay in the lineup, you know, to continue that streak. And the fact that Less than, I think, 12, maybe 10 games now behind Keith Yandel is Phil Kessel. Yeah, and that's the the interesting part of this thing is is if all things stay the same, Phil Kessel catches Keith Yandel, right? It's just kind yeah. of a thing. Never. So if I'm Keith Yandel, I get the decision. I understand the decision. I understand they want to see if guys can play. For my own ego, though, if I'm not going to be the all-time leader in consecutive games played, let me be the first to four digits ever. Let me be the first to 1,000. I understand that it's an arbitrary number, but if you're the first guy to play 1,000 games consecutively in the history of the sport, that is like a, a, a plate I can put on my mantle. Even though Phil Kessel may pass it, well, you're the first guy to hit four digits. You're the first guy to walk on the moon. You know, like that kind of thing is, that's what I'm disappointed by. 
mm-hmm. because I like Keith Yandel a, a lot, uh, just as a as a guy, obviously. And, and I think every locker room guy. he's ever every locker room he's ever been in will tell you the same. But I get it, you know, I get it, and he's going to probably be done after this year. So it's just it it sort of feels unceremonious to me, unfortunately. He'll pro- I'm sure he'll get in again, and we'll have some big Keith Yandel going away party. But I don't know. I I I think this. I think you keep him in. Yeah. I think you keep him in. Yeah, and like I said, it's the names that are in the lineup over him. You know, Kanat yeah, and Sealer right. are th- those two guys that really you know are guys that we need <clears throat> to evaluate in Philly. I don't know. Is it more so Mike Yo saying, "Hey, I got to." make a pitch to management for my job and then i I want to put the best lineup out there so we can steal a couple of games like we did against the new york rangers for my job and to show them that my long-term vision of this roster this lineup and this organization is the one they should go with i'm not putting that on keith uh mike yo from everything i know he's a good guy but i'm just you know speculatively speaking because this is what we do here yep could that be of the situation more so than the long-term outlook of the organization as a whole is it Mike Yo's long-term outlook pitch to the Flyers management, to Dave Scott, to, you know, uh, Fletcher, and those guys that, hey, this is the lineup I'd like to field. Could it be? I'm just saying. It could. You know what? I'll take the other side of the coin. I'll say it's a Fletcher decision. Okay. Where where I think that's dangerous is if you're a free agent. I mean, like we, we talked about the Buffalo situation with Jack Duckle's neck. If you're a free agent and you see a GM or a coach doing that to one of the most beloved guys in the NHL. Are you not like, yeah, fuck you guys. I, I don't want to play there. If you're like, if you're not going to respect, you know, I can see like some of the dinosaur veterans saying that if Pavelski wanted to come back for another year outside of Dallas or Thornton or something like that, you're like, no, fuck you guys. I don't want to play for a, for a team that does that. So I get there's emotions involved. You know, Kevin Hayes said as much, but I don't know. I see both sides of this one, NRD. And, of, of course, Kevin A is going to be upset, and rightfully so. I mean, he's a good buddy of Keith Yandel. He's probably, probably the reason why Keith Yandel ended up in Philadelphia. No doubt. Uh, last hockey question. or Not a question, but topic before we uh, get into one, one squishy question is, are you okay with... Oh, are you okay with Trevor Zegris skilling it up NRD. Yeah, why wouldn't I be fine with that? Because apparently, if you skill it up, you should be punched in the face, according to the Coyotes broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I will give credit to Liam because I think he gave us a very good answer. I think so too. About how sometimes because of you know the, the discourse on social media, it becomes like the viewpoint of the team. And it wasn't necessarily... Or we don't know for a fact that that's how the Coyotes felt. It's just how Tyson Nash, the broadcaster, felt. Right. And Tyson Nash, you know, was really good at his role that he played in the National Hockey League. But, you know, his resume speaks for himself as a guy who's saying something like that. You know, I see no problem with skilling it up. And like we mentioned with Liam, the hockey IQ in order for Trevor Zegers to make that play. like, and, And this was similar to, I think, you know... I said this on this show back when he scored the alley-oop goal to Sonny Milano. That was the only, like, his hockey IQ, even more so than the skill and the handwork that he showed, 
was his hockey IQ because that was the only play that you could make to actually score a goal in that position. Like, he couldn't have done anything else. And Liam mentioned that for this instance. I had mentioned that back with the alley-oop goal. It's things like that that, is it really hot-dogging or is it really just a guy that outthinks everybody else in this game, which isn't skill at all. It's it's IQ. It's what he has in between the ears. And I think it's more so that. So I'm not subscribing to the skill it up take only because I don't think it's skilling up as much as yeah, he's got the hands and the footwork to back it up, but he's also just that much smarter than anybody else on the ice. Right. I equate it to a dunk. Imagine the first guy that ever dunked on somebody. It's a great scene in the movie Semi-Pro, the first alley-oop. Right. But it, like an alley-oop and, and a dunk in a lot of situations is a, gar- as a guaranteed basket. And you can look on it as disrespectful and you're, you're high-flying and rooting, tooting, highfalutin son of a guns, but... That's the play sometimes because it's guaranteed. If you can lacrosse goal or, you know, Michigan or Zegras, whatever you want to call it, and that's the play, make the play and market it afterwards. Like that, I, I totally agree with that. And then the, the second part of this whole thing is the, uh, the Troy Terry situation where he is basically beaten to a pulp when he doesn't want to be. And I think this take has been out there uh, on any show you listen to, so I think it's. I'm just going to recycle it, is that I'm absolutely fine with fighting. I think it's a part of the game if both participants are willing. When it is a beatdown, it it, it's assault. It's assault, brother. Right? Like, that's uh, – I'm, I'm not sharing anything new here, but that, that's the take that I've heard plenty this week and, and is very much my own, so anything different there. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with Liam. I agree with the other podcasts who have been saying the same thing. I don't think I hate fighting either. I think it's a big part of this game. It's a, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, it's one of the foundations that this sport was built on for both entertainment mm-hmm. and on ice, you know, product. It should belong in this game, but it also should be with two willing combatants, not a guy like Troy Terry, who is clearly not a fighter by any sense of the imagination, surely can stick up for himself and maybe chirp with the best of them. Sure. But was not willing to throw hands with Jay Beagle in that sense. Jay Beagle beat him to a pulp. And you saw those pictures on Spit and Chicklets, social media accounts. He didn't look pretty after that game. And No, it, that, it, got, it was dangerous. And that's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dangerous is the right word. And I think that's the problem with that specific situation is I have no problem with a guy going out there, maybe pulling off a lacrosse goal. We already talked about the merits of why I think that lacrosse goal wasn't hot dogging. It was, you know, <laughs> right. the right play. But even so, you want to send a message. You have, you know, Nick Delorier, who's not there anymore in Anaheim, and you have, you know, Jay Beagle, and they those two want to go toe to toe at center ice in a five nothing game. You know, so be it, right? Right. But to beat up on the kid because you're frustrated, and he didn't really want to go with you, and this is just a little, you know, yeah. face mushing as Snoop Dogg so eloquently called it when he announced the hockey game for the Kings <laughs> after the whistle. When there's a bunch of just face motion going on, to then just throw punches at the kid is just wrong and it's dangerous. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we'll pick up that conversation next week for sure, as I'm as I'm sure there's more to it. But NRD the Masters kicks off this week. Thursday, uh, from Augusta National Golf Club in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. Your pitch first, and then two in honor of Hideki Matsuyama's uh champions dinner tonight. What would be on your menu, NRD? I'm going to ask for two entrees, two appetizers, and a dessert. Okay. 
for the boys, okay? So give, give me your pitch first, then I'll give you mine and my dinner, and I'll let you think about your dinner, and you can finish up. All right. So I'll go with the picks first. Yep. And this is also an NRD bets play. So Whoa. here you go. I'm in on this. Get your pens and pencils so out. So what folks. I'm telling you now is what I'm also financially invested in. Okay. Here we go. Scotty Scheffler to win the tournament. Love it. I think that uh, he's playing out of his mind right now. He's If he's not the world number one, I think he's pretty damn close. I think he is, though, after winning the match play. Down by your uh, yep, backyard yep. in Austin, Texas. Beautiful tournament. Very fun. Uh, Scotty's a great dude. Scotty Scheffler to win. Okay. And Tiger Woods to make the cut while it's still at plus money right now. If he's playing, which he says he is, you could, you know, it is almost sacrilegious to the game <clears throat> to bet against Tiger Woods at Augusta National. So I don't think he's going to win. I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to win, but he, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But I think he makes the cut, and the fact that the books are giving us plus money to see him make the cut is treasonous to the game of golf and i will happily wow. invest in tiger woods making the cut at augusta national okay there Friday he is into saturday that's it those are my two picks those are my two okay. plays day to day i'll have some matchups but this is a podcast on tuesday april 5th we're uh we're not there yet we don't know what the matchups are yet there you go uh pick from me i got my the matchups just came in hold on hold on hold on Got to re reset here. So I have um, Corey Connors, top ten. Good Canadian boy. Good Canadian boy who plays really, really well at this tournament. I have Will Zalatoris, Dallas's own top five. I think he repeats the success he had here. And I have the big cat to win. NRD. Oh boy. That is very much a nostalgia play, but I got him at plus thirty five hundred. I put fifty bucks on him. Just to have some skin in the game. But I really, really like uh, Zalatoris and uh, the Corey Connors bets. Now, you want an outright out, outright launch shot here? Go for it. How about Max Homa, Twitter's, Twitter's very own, at plus 7,000 to win the Masters? He's kind playing of on well. a heater right playing now. He's on a heater golf. right now. He's playing fantastic golf. I don't hate it. Okay. I might throw. I might. I might sprinkle that one. NRD, are you ready for my my dinner? Yeah, my master's dinner. If Cold Stone's very own Brett Merriman took home the green jacket, Cold okay? Stove's very own. Did you just drop a Cold Stone by accident? Oh no! Did I say Cold Stone? I meant Cold Stove. You Cold might've. Stone Creamery. We might need to get them uh, as a sponsor. We might. You know, there's certain natural fits in this world. Cold Stone presenting the Cold Stove podcast presented by Wash Media might be a thing. I will have their people talk to my people. There you go. Which just is just me. So, uh, appetizers NRD. Here's what I'm rocking with: coconut shrimp skewers with sweet chili Thai sauce. Okay, we're rocking that. Oh, I'm my mouth's watering. Second appetizer, aside from a salad, assuming that salads are served. Okay, you can get salad. Second appetizer is a uh, buffalo chicken egg rolls. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah! Shouts to the uh, Tanner Smiths in Midtown Manhattan, where I had buffalo chicken egg rolls for the first time. Divine, and those buffalo chicken egg rolls come with jalapeno ranch to dip in. Okay, mm-hmm. entrees: bacon wrapped fillet with garlic butter green beans on the side. Absolute money pick right there, uh, and then I'm also going with a grilled chicken breast. 
with a Kentucky bourbon marinade and roasted veggies on the side. Because you cannot beat like a, a grilled chicken, uh, like a, a Kentucky bourbon barbecue honey marinade. That's just oh, absolutely perfect. And then for dessert, NRD, we're going with banana cream pudding in a mason jar. Double up on the Nilla wafer layers. Oh, there you go. How about that? I'm a fan. I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat oh. that menu. Off the top, what do you got? So, I your menu flows beautifully. Thank it's you. almost like poetry in motion. There's a, what they say about this podcast often. It all goes together. Mine is not going to go together because I'm okay. kind of on the spot here at this one. So I'm you just going to tell you some of my foods that I would, you know, things that I like, things that I'd right. serve hit, for hit my me. master's dinner. I'm going to cop out for the first appetizer. Big fan of the sushi and sashimi. Oh, Assorted okay. from Hideki Matsuyama being served it's tonight a, in his honor. Can't go wrong. Big sushi guy. Okay. Are you like a, do you do specialty rolls or what's your, uh, across you the board? Across the only the thing board. I'm not the biggest fan of, which I mean, okay. I'll eat it. No problems with it. Not a big fan of this shellfish sushi. I'll oh, go okay. tuna. Okay. I'll go salmon. I'll dabble in a yellowtail every once in a while. Toro, not a problem. When, it, when we start getting into, you know, the crab and the shrimp, it's like, oh, I want to go a little bit more exotic than that. Okay. So, okay. Fair. Very fair. But assorted sushi. Okay. Then we'll go south of our borders. Authentic birria tacos. With, with the grease, Ooh. you dip the taco. It's a great appetizer. Cause it's you, not, had, you, you got Adam over here shaking his head. Yeah. Right? I love a you good birria a little consomme on the side with the onions, a little cilantro, lime, on, lime wedge to squeeze. Berry tacos. Now, okay. for the entrees. Nashville hot chicken served properly with the slice of white bread. Ooh, you get like two pieces. You get a, you okay. know, a breast and a thigh or, or, or a wing and a drum or whatever you want to do there. On the slice of white bread with the pickles, you know, everything there. Oh, That's yeah. Served, a little hot honey drizzle, maybe? Hot honey drizzle. That's served with breadcrumb mac and cheese. Oh, good man. We're going south with it. Okay. The other entree. Because you got to show love to, you know, those not a big fan of Nashville hot chicken. Yep. A little bit more calm. You get a pesto, marin- like pesto marinated grilled chicken okay. breast, like you said. Let's go Ooh. a little, you know, a little bit more conservative with it. Nice pesto. I like it. Get the pine nuts in there. Get the basil in there. Easy. Good, man. Everybody loves a pesto. And That's then hit me with your... Over Sorry. linguine, by the way. Over Ooh. linguine. It's pesto pasta. That sounds real good. Dessert. Okay, hit me, hit me with your dessert. We're going, and this is galaxy brain stuff here. It's Shark okay. Tank idea. Fun dip bar. Oh, we're just going. Wow, sugar flavored sugar. Everybody gets you know whatever you want to dip in the fun dip. You get the sticks, the you know fruit, whatever you want to do. You go around. A little fun dip bar, a little sugary sweet. Look at that! From really off did the board. not see that coming. Really off the board. I just did came not up with that, that in my coming. head as because I didn't have a dessert plan. I'm gonna be I'm gonna break the fourth wall right here. I had no <laughs> fucking clue what I was gonna go with. First thing that looked... came to my head when I thought of sugar was fun dip, fun dip bar, fun dip bar. Okay, okay, interesting. I Adam, who who is the winner there? So I win overall with the banana pudding as the kicker. Tie tiebreaker went to the banana pudding in RD. All right, we're not cutting this. This is good air. I'm gonna okay. re- I'm gonna redesign my dessert. Can I do that? Yeah, Can of I course. The dessert of course. We get you, out of here? you won the green jacket. You and Resmus Ristolainen. There you go. The Masters. We're in one right now. <laughs> Shouts to Kami, the insider. 
instead of fun dip bar because it was a stupid okay. fucking idea. Let's, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I, I see heard Adam left. That was a bad idea. I know. Let's go with a chocolate raspberry mousse. Ooh, okay. Served not in the mason jar, but in one of them fancy mousse kind of martini looking glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little homemade okay. whipped cream on top. Yeah. Chocolate okay. Is much better, I like much it. more sophisticated. I don't more really know where I was going with the fun dip bar. I don't I, think hey. I won Adam's respect back, but <laughs> I had to redeem myself because that was a bad idea. It was the first thing that came to my mind when I thought of sugar. And we're keeping it in. I, You know what? If you had said like a Dunkaroos bar, I would have been all over it. I'd been like, absolute winner right there with the with the uh, vanilla cream. Uh, long episode of Cold Stove today on RD. I hope the uh, the listeners enjoyed. I, you know Anything what? else we got to get to? Nothing else we need to get to. Thanks for rocking with us. Hopefully you find it entertaining as we do. We love doing this for you. So, Shouts to Liam McHugh for coming on. NRD, where can the people find you? At NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. Nowhere else. Nowhere since. Maybe somewhere else in the future. But Whoa. Okay. TikTok, folks. He's going to do TikToks from the rumor cave. There you go. Just no face. He's going to be like the like Darth Maul or whoever. I don't know. I don't know Star Wars characters. Anyway. That'll do it for us at Cold Stove Podcast. Thanks to Liam McHugh for hopping on. NRD, thank you. Adam, thank you for being on the ones and twos. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Instagram and Twitter. Good luck in your bets with the Masters NRD. I will hope for the same, and we'll see you all next week. See you.